0: So, good morning. Thanks for the invitation. I'm so glad to uh, to be uh, here. It's a great joy for me to uh, share the, uh, the fellowship with you this morning and be able to share from God's word. Uh, as you heard, I, I know Jay from uh, European Leadership Forum, uh, one of the most strategic, uh, I, I would say, the most strategic work going on in Europe with the mission of... Uh, Evangelizing uh, Europe and renewing the church by uh, uh, uniting, equipping, and resourcing evangelical leaders. And it's been a great joy for us to have uh, Jay uh, over in in Europe and serving us uh, so well. Uh, uh, And it's a joy for me to be here with you today. We are going to study one of the Psalms, Psalm 73. And if you have read and prayed through the Psalms, you know that many of the Psalms uh, comes to us without a context. They are songs of worship, but we don't know if there was a specific occasion for that worship. And many of the Psalms are prayers of lament, but without really explaining what was the, the background for that lament. We are we give, we, given some hints, but we, don't, we are not given the full picture. But then with, with a few of the Psalms, we are giving a real context. And this is one of the Psalms, Psalms uh, 73, a Psalm that deals with the problem of evil. And the Psalmist, uh, whose name was Asaph, uh, he is describing or giving us a, a short biography of his life, or maybe not his full life, but a biography describing the most dramatic time in his life a time of deep deep struggle and in the psalm he led us in uh, to that struggle and we follow him uh, into the struggle and then further on what what happened when he was wrestling with god so before we go into the psalm let's pray lord again i want to thank you for your word that you are not a silent God, but you have spoken to us and reach out to us. Um, And this morning I pray, uh, I thank you and praise you for the word of Asaph that comes to us. And I pray that you will help us to listen to your voice in the words of Asaph. Open your words for us and open up us, our lives, our our minds and hearts and our will for your word. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. so the author of this psalm was not just uh, anyone he was a very prominent person in his time he was a close friend to king david so we are uh, 900 before christ more than 900 before christ and he worked closely with king david we know from other places in the Old Testament that he was a worship leader in, in the tabernacle. This is just before the temple was built. So he was leading the worship. So he was a spiritual leader, one of the key spiritual leaders for the people of God. And he was worshiping God, led by the Spirit, it says. So you can say he was a charismatic, prophetic leader amongst his People. And he was really a gifted man, not only in terms of his musical gifting, but in terms of his writing. He is the author of Psalm 50 and then of all the Psalms between 73 and 83. And you are a gifted writer if your texts are read all over the world 3,000 years later. How many of today's famous writers? Will be read 3,000 years from now. <laughs> Not many. So he was a really gifted man. So he stood at the forefront of the people of God. He led the worship in the temple. But during a period of his life, he was brought into a deep spiritual darkness. And in this song we are going to study, he is revealing that period. Uh, of uh, of his life for us, so turn to psalm 73 and we will read it in its different parts. surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From the callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of the minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? That's the first part of the psalm. This is the background to the darkness in Asaph's life. His discovery that the God he worships as good does not seem to be good to him any longer. So he starts the song with the assumption of all the believers in in Israel. God is good to Israel. And that is what they were singing in their worship. Praise the Lord. Why? Because he is good. That's the focus of the worship. And I, Asaph have sing those words so many times. And led the people in praising God this way. But now Asaph has started to look around. With really honest eyes. So what's reality? What's the truth about being a human being worshipping God? And what happens if you stop to worship God? And he starts to realize, if I'm honest, my experience goes against my worship. It does not look like God is good to those who follow him. And the more he starts to think this way, it deepens in his life. He starts to look around. So, what's happening with different people? What's going on in, in, in people's life? And he look at the arrogant who does not want to worship God. They prosper and increase in their wealth. Their bodies are healthy and strong, and their lives are easy. It looks like evil has no consequences. People are filled with pride and dethroning God, and nothing happens. Violence and iniquity, and evil conceits, and they are successful. Moving on in that direction. They really dethrone God. Without any consequences. Their mouth lay claim to heaven. They say how can God know? He does not, he does not see and know. Nothing happens if you ignore God. Get rid of that religious crap. Look at reality. And he noticed that. For many people, this is a, a kind of good message. So those who proclaim that you can ignore God, just live for yourself and your own individual happiness, they increase in popularity. People are drawn to those who communicate that kind of perspective. I, I really admire Asaf for his honesty. I think it's really crucial that we as human beings can be honest in relationship to reality. To look around and, and just describe how things are. And not to try to paint it over with some, uh, some religious language or some uh, kind of warm feeling. Let's talk truthful about life and reality. The problem here for Asaph is that He starts to be really honest. In terms of looking out in the world. And he feels that he is forced to draw this conclusion. That all the ancient wisdom. Collected within God's people. Is kind of undermined. Trust in the Lord and he will make your paths straight. Does not seem to work pride g- goes before destruction no it does not if a man digs a pit he will fall into it no he can give us a lot of examples where this is not true it looks like we do not reap what we saw and this is the problem for Asaph he cannot ignore this reality any longer and it, it becomes so troublesome for him in his heart. What is going on here? How am I going to understand the God I'm worshipping and the reality I'm seeing around me? Of course, he has seen some examples of people doing evil and being punished or it's going bad for them. And of course, he has seen some examples of people worshipping God, uh, God and being blessed. Sure. Sure. But there is no coherent picture, because there are so many counterexamples of people being faithful to God, and their lives are filled with pain, and people dethroning God, and it looks like they are blessed. So this is the struggle for Asaph. Okay, let's read on to see how uh, what, did, did, what this did to him. Surely, in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Here, I... Asaph has opened the door a little bit to his struggle. He seems to have experienced a kind of downward spiral. The starting point of his realizing this problem seems to be some personal pain, some personal struggle. All day long, I, I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. He does not say what kind of plague or pain it is. Was it sickness? Was it people that... Uh, were hostile to him we, we don't know but something was a constant pain in his life every morning he was reminded now it's, it's interesting uh, I think that we have a tendency to not look honestly at reality as long as our own life goes well then we have no problem with the problem of evil <laughs> but then when we are hit Then suddenly the problem becomes real. (laughs) That is how self-absorbed we are. You know, you don't need to be suffering yourself. Actually to realize. What a big problem this is. That righteous people are suffering. Even if you are not. In a world where they are worshipping God. Anyhow, it was his own suffering that. uh, That awoke him to, to this whole. To this whole problem. And something was with him. Every new morning. And this pain. Nearly caused him. To give up his faith. His faith. My feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. So this was a real struggle. He was on the brink of. Letting go. Of his faith in God. Surely, in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. There is no point in following God and worshipping him. That was the thought that came back to him again and again. I love that the word of God is so so honest and brutal here. Uh, And if you are struggling with with issues, I think we should uh, be be encouraged here that we don't have to hide our questions or issues uh, for, before God. We can bring it just openly to him. And Asaph is really honest here. This is how I felt. This, is, this was my struggle and it was real. And he says, in the end, the result was that he started to envy the wicked. And he was grieved and embittered. That he had to be part amongst God's people. <laughs> he longed to be among those who did not fear God, but just could live for himself, for themselves. And he actually pondered to shift side. Should I join them? He tried to see this, to see through this problem, but he couldn't couldn't find an answer to it. He struggled with it. But he couldn't uh, find a solution. <clears throat> I think when, I, when, when we read this first part of the psalm. Asaph is a very modern man. I would describe him actually as a humanist. As a very contemporary human being. Because... All the way, so far in the psalm, he has had himself as the ultimate reference point. And if you try to understand your life only out from yourself, you will not find any solutions. So the problem here is that the suffering in Asaph's life had turned him basically into a humanist, viewing life out from his own individual life only. And here we are, 2023, that is the biggest problem I would say uh, in our cultures today. We are humanists. We are trying to solve life's dilemmas and issues out from a humanistic perspective with ourselves as the starting point. And then we will have no solution. Let's read on. was the situation for Asaph until and here comes the turning point he does not leave us in the darkness and confusion there was a turning point in Asaph's life till i entered the sanctuary of god then i understood their final destiny surely you place them on a slippery ground you cast them down to ruin How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet... I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you. And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me... It is good to be near God. I have made a sovereign, God, sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Wow. Such wonderful words. Some of the most beautiful words in, in the whole book of, of, uh, of Psalms. Asaph is describing his renewed relationship and trust with God. What was the cause of Asaph's victory? How Did he come out of this darkness and bitterness and disappointment? He gives us three reasons how his problems were solved. First, he came to the sanctuary, to the tabernacle. Now, we don't know, was this uh, uh, one of the services with a lot of, of people? Or did he come early In the morning. To search God's face. Himself. Privately. My guess is. uh, That that was. was, uh, What happened. He came to the tabernacle. To search God. And to put out his heart before God. And at that, that time. God revealed. God's perspective. On the situation. For him. He suddenly could see things, not as a humanist, out from his individual perspective, but from God's perspective. And the key solution to his problems was the future justice. A future justice. Not justice now, but future justice. Let me divert a a little bit here, just so we understand this basically for us as human beings uh, we have come up with three different answers to the problem of justice the world now uh, is of course unjust that was Asaph's problem people are evil and they come away with it people are deceitful and nothing happens so the world is deeply unjust so what can we say about that well one answer is to say Sorry, you have to accept that. There will be no final justice. Life is what it is. And you have to just face this unjust world. The atheists, the secular people around me, they are forced to to draw that conclusion. Of course there's injustice in the world, but there is no God to put it right or finally judge the world. So, So many of the evil people will come away with their evil. They will live their lives and then they will die and then nothing. So basically there is no justice. Those who are oppressed will not uh, see justice and the oppressors will not be judged. That's a very uh, that's a very dark and unhappy view of the world. There is no justice. A second perspective is to say, no, hold on, actually life is just as it is now. That is the perspective of the Eastern religions who believe in karma. They say, reality and human life on planet Earth is automatically adjusted all the time, so everyone receives exactly what they deserve because of their previous existence so if you're suffering now that's the right thing you should suffer because you lived such a horrible life before this existence and if you are healthy and rich and that's your right reward reward because you were such a good person previously so life is not unjust it is exactly right at every moment that's the law of karma in my view the most horrible uh, doctrine um, we as humans have come up with ever accusing people who suffer that it is their own fault because they are evil people in a previous life (laughs) that's absolutely horrible i remember a uh, I remember a time when I was, I was standing on the um, train station in Stockholm. I was going down to uh, my, my hometown in Lund to, uh, uh, to give a, a presentation at, uh, for students there. And the train was delayed. And it was delayed. And it was delayed. And it was delayed even to the, to the point of Swedes starting to talk with each other on the platform. <laughs> So it was really delayed. Okay, so a, a young woman uh, stood close uh, to me, and, and so she asked, oh, "So where where are you going?" And uh, so I told her, "I'm going down to learn to um, uh, to give a, a lecture for students." Oh, what, what's about? Oh, it's about I um, will talk about Christianity, the uniqueness of Christ, and world religions. Oh, really interesting. I'm uh, so, so. She started to tell me that she was uh, a very religious person. Very spiritual person. She was part of... She met in a um, a cell group, home group, with uh, Ralf Lundstein, which is a famous New Age composer. He he composes music, this uh, wavy kind of (laughs) floating music. Uh, So uh, she was um, part of his uh, fellowship group with, with him, exploring New Age theme, Eastern religions so I asked her what's so attractive with uh, uh, with the eastern religions and she instantly said the idea of karma because it solves the problem of evil and in one sense she's right it is a solution to the problem of evil by accusing those who suffer and then I asked her in my family we we have a good friend uh, and when he was four years old there was an accident so uh, he was hit by a a tool in the neck and he has been in a wheelchair since then would you tell him that it was his own fault then she becomes really uncomfortable (laughs) and she said No, of course I wouldn't. But that is what I think. Okay, so that's one alternative. But it's a horrible alternative. The alternative Asaph is giving us is there is a future justice. When I saw their final destiny, I realized there is justice in the world. Because in the end, it will be shown... All the blessings of, of belonging to God. And the destruction of having dethroned God. And the third was that he was drawn into the presence of God. He experienced God's closeness and God's love for him. And that experience with God in the temple gave Asaph an absolutely new focus. And now, this is not a humanist speaking. This is a person who has experienced God. I'm always, always with you. You hold me. You guide me. You will take me into glory. Regardless of the pain I have right now. So, so that has started to diminish. It's, it's not nothing, but that's his own pain is not the focus of his life. But it is God and the glorious future God has uh, prepared for him. You will take me into glory. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now his focus is on God. This is a wonderful transition. From being a humanist to becoming a person centered on God. But as for me, it is good to be near God. Regardless of how God deals with a specific pain in my life right now. It's good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of your deeds. What a difference. It must have been so painful in the first period of his life when he was leading the worship in Israel, helping other people to praise God, and then in his, his heart, he's filled with doubts. I'm not sure God is good. I don't I don't know if I believe in God any longer. So he must be in for some time a kind of hypocrite, leading the people in worship, but he himself couldn't really in his heart join the worship songs. But now God has got a grip on him, him again. And he, he wants to praise God. And he would, wants to tell other people about the goodness of God. I will tell of all of your deeds. Now, what about Asaph's questions? Let us be clear here. God did not give him a specific answer to his specific suffering. That was left untouched. So Asaph had to go on. I think with with pain in his life, so that was not addressed, but he was given two other answers to his problem, first, an answer relating to the future, God's judgment, when when all the evil will be punished, and the world will be, be set straight again, and everything will be restored, so it's in accordance with who God is, Everything that has that come through the fall will be removed. So, an answer that looks to the future, God's judgment. And secondly, he was given a personal answer that relates to the present. And that is God's promise to be with him now. God's presence in his life in the midst of struggle and problems. Uh, and I think uh, Asaph would have um, nodded in agreement if he had would been able to read the words of CS Lewis God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our conscience but shouts in our pains it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world that what was happening in Asaph's life his pain led in the end to a new appreciation of who God is. A new understanding of the beauty and goodness of God. For many of us who live in um, in the 21st century, we are so much obsessed with personal happiness in the present. Our whole culture is focusing on that. How do you experience your life at the moment? Are you happy? Are you Are you in those good circumstances. And of course, uh, that is not unimportant, but it tends to be the main focus of our lives. Here we need to see that the meaning of life, if Christianity is true, is not lack of pain. But the meaning of life is communion with God. And that is a big difference. I'm not saying uh, that pain is of no importance, of course it is and it can be really hard and of course we should look for solutions to what is painful but still, lack of pain is not the meaning of life but communion with God and that was what Asaph realized and he was drawn into a deeper relationship with God the God who is the source of all joy and beauty and pleasure When he was struggling with those issues, I describe it as he did not believe any longer um, in the law of sowing and reaping. Because it did not seem to to work like like that. I find it interesting that Paul in Galatians 6 is repeating that law, but he's phrasing it in a very, very important way. He says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing God good. Let us not be, uh, become weary in doing uh, good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up. At the proper time. And ultimately, that time is the return of the Lord, and the, the final day will the, the full consequences will be seen. So it's fascinating that Asaph is letting us into this this period of his life, a period where he was struggling, but where God helped him to went through that struggle to a renewed joy in the Lord. How did Asaph's life end? Was he keeping, holding on to this new confidence in God? I think we have biblical grounds to say yes. Because the last mention we have of Asaph, when he was an old man, and when the temple was actually built... There is a last mention of Asaph. In 2nd Chronicles chapter 5 verse 13. And then it's described all, uh, all the musicians. And all the people singing in the temple. And then it is said that Asaph was leading the singers. And what were they singing? He is good. His love endures forever. That's the last song we hear from the lips of Asaph. So let us ask the question for ourselves. What kind of songs are coming from our lips today? And we need to, to think also further on in our own personal history. What would be the last song coming from our lips Will it be the song of Asaph? The Lord is good. His love endures forever. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the work you did in the life of Asaph. Helping him to realize how good and beautiful and wonderful you are. And and how you one day will deal with all the injustices and all the pain and all the horror of this uh, present world. Lord, you see... The struggle we have in our lives with doubt, with pain, with envy sometimes of the world around us. Lord, I I pray that you will draw us into your presence like you drew, drew Asaph into your presence. And help us to see the wonder and beauty and goodness of you. Lord, we want to be people from whose lips are coming a song about your goodness, your love who endures forever. Pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.